0: Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. So, we're given two versions of this same speech in the Gospels. It may have sounded a little familiar when I read it. One here in Luke, which I just read which is usually called blessings and woes. And then there's one in Matthew, which is probably more familiar, which is often referred to as the Beatitudes. And uh, it is, we're more familiar with the Beatitudes, I think, because I think they, they tend to be a little kinder and gentler. Uh, Matthew, in his gospel, tends to soften some of the language. His language is a little more spiritualized and directed more toward the everyman. Blessed are the poor in spirit. A little more accessible to most of us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We don't have that blessed are the poor right in our face. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the 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 low the lonely or the, the those who weep you know it's a little more relatable in the way matthew articulates it and he leaves the woes clear until the end and uh, he doesn't even doesn't even pair them up with all of that and of course uh, matthew delivers this, his sermon, the Jesus in Matthew's gospel delivers a sermon off the mountain where God's laws are always proclaimed from a mountaintop, think Sinai and that kind of thing. And so we have in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mound a new command coming from Christ on how we should live, a new new law, if you will, and it uh, encapsulates some of these other things. Uh, Pray for your enemies and love those who persecute you. Luke's story, Luke's speech, Jesus here in Luke, seems decidedly directed toward the poor the hungry, the sad, and the left out. In fact, those are the only four that are listed. Matthew has several others, but Luke limits it to the poor, the hungry, those who mourn, those who are weeping, rather, and those who are uh, loathed or hated and despised because of the gospel. And Jesus in Luke gives this speech, not up on a high mountain, but we are told in the verses before this this text, before this speech, that Jesus comes down off the mountain, down onto a level place among the people. Luke goes out of his way to say, Jesus comes down to a level place among the people. It's as if Luke is trying to say, Jesus comes down to be one with the people on the same level and delivers this message to them so it's a very different feel we get from Luke and i think we like Matthew's version of Jesus's discourse because it's much easier to find ourselves in it you know blessed i can be poor in spirit much easier than poor <laughs> or at least i'd i'd much I'd prefer that <laughs> over being, being poor. And I can do meek okay most of the time too. I'm, it's not my favorite thing, but uh, uh, I do meek okay and other things like that. We can find ourselves in Matthew's Beatitudes. But in Luke, however, Jesus is insistent in directing his words of comfort and hope directly to the poor the hungry, the ones who are weeping, and the reviled. Furthermore, he directly, immediately after, condemns, in in case he was vague, he directly condemns the rich, the full, the joyful, and the popular. Well, shoot, depending on who you talk to, I'm all those things. (laughs) You know, in some circles, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not rich, you know, compared to pastors in, in Texas, for example. In fact, someone told me yesterday uh, the barber I was at, he grew up in Texas, and they put out a thing the fastest way to become a millionaire in Texas is to start a church. Isn't that disgusting? Isn't that disgusting? Anyway, uh, I'm not that, but compared to preachers in Haiti, I'm pretty rich. <laughs> you know uh, and quite frankly, compared to people in Haiti, we're all pretty rich. Amen. That seems to be the situation and and yet i'm you know I'm not rich but i'm I'm far from poor uh, I'm not hungry, but I don't think of myself particularly like the rich man who ignored Lazarus eating sumptuously and just dropping crumbs all over the place for the dogs to eat. I weep when I'm sad, but as you all know, I laugh a lot too, often at inappropriate times and creating awkwardness for everyone. But, um, and I'm far from persecuted, although there are times I get called names because people disagree with the way we do things here. We get, we get hate mail, don't we, Dennis? Every, well, two, <laughs> Dennis doesn't show me all of them because I get worked up a little bit, but <laughs> but we get you know we get some negative press every once in a while, but uh, we're far from far from persecuted in the way Luke is talking about here. So how do we hear what a text like this has for us? Where do we find our place? Those of us kind of average joes in the middle of the world we're not we're not way over here on the woe to the rich part but we're also not on the blessed or the poor part either how do we find ourselves in this text well the first thing i would say is that the kingdom of god in the gospels is all about reversal Whenever Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's often talking about how within the kingdom of God, things are going to be reversed. The way they are now are not the way they're going to be. And in fact, the kingdom of God just turns everything all upside down. and you know the first will be last the last will be first that kind of business and it comes from a place because the hebrew people the follower the earliest followers of jesus those who for whom jesus spoke words of life and light for them their life was really out of their control. They were an oppressed people living uh, under the thumb of Roman occupation, living under the domination of the Jewish aristocracy that worked hard to keep them poor, to keep them hungry, to keep them weeping and reviled. And so when their life is out of control, what you long for is something that will come along and reverse that course and bring about justice and Luke's people were such a people as this and what they look what they found in Jesus's words of a kingdom of God that reverses all of that is hope and in the meantime they wondered should we should we take up arms should we fight should we wait should we just capitulate and be satisfied with ourselves and our own little should we just say we are lowly people who deserve what we get? Should we resist somehow? And I think what Jesus offers us, offers Luke's community and offers the people in the earliest church was do not, do not resist violence with violence. That only brings about more violence. And you cannot achieve peace through violence. But what Jesus did seem to promote is a lot of resistance. In fact, many of my professors when I was in seminary uh, would talk at length about how this business about turning the other cheek was really to frustrate. uh, And it was really kind of a passive resistance move You know, it was kind of training and passive resistance and this business about uh, when someone takes your cloak. When a Roman soldier is cold and he comes and he finds this poor Hebrew person who can't really do anything about anything this Roman soldier does. And he comes over and he says, hey, give me your cloak. And the Roman soldier says, oh, fine, here, take my cloak. Take my shirt too, you big jerk. It's a form of passive resistance that kind of flies in the face. The same with this, you know, carry, when someone asks you to carry a load a mile, take it two miles. Uh, any Roman soldier could conscript someone into, uh, into labor by asking you to carry, but you could, they could only require you to carry a load for a mile, and then they had to go find some other poor schmuck. And so if uh, you've carried your thing for a mile and, and the Roman soldier says, okay, that's far enough, you can drop it. And you just keep going for another mile. And he's like, okay, that's enough. You can set it down. All right, that's enough. Come on, give me that. Give me, give me, give give me. <laughs> you can see how it kind of frustrates them and kind of flies in the face. And it basically says to them, you know what? You don't control me. You don't know me. You don't say what I have to do. You think you control me. You don't control me. So I think Jesus here in some of this stuff is advocating a a stance of resistance uh, to the poor. That's that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I would say is that it's clear that Luke's Jesus has a special heart for the poor. The disenfranchised. The left out the marginalized, the people who are left to the fringes. From the very beginning in chapter 1, Mary sings her song of vindication for the poor and justice against the rich. And in chapter 2, Jesus says that he has been anointed, he's reading Isaiah, he has been anointed to bring good news to who? The poor. For Luke, knowing Jesus is inexorably linked to knowing the poor. I particularly like what Dr. E. Elizabeth Johnson, she's a professor of New Testament at Columbia Seminary in Decatur, Illinois. She said in one of the commentaries I was reading, she said, if you want anything to do with Jesus or the God who sent him, Luke says you had better go find the poor the hungry, the captives, the blind, the outcasts, and join Jesus as Jesus cares for them. We know, the way we know who Jesus is, is to go where Jesus is, with the poor, with the hungry, with those who weep and the oppressed. That's where Jesus is. In other words, the hope—the word of hope for us who are on the receiving end of the woes in this passage are told where to go to remedy that. Among the poor, among the hungry, among the sad, and among the hated. I guess I pause now to think about who that might be in our world today. Who are the poor? Who are the hungry? Who is the world hating? Who is weeping right now? Luke would tell us that's where you'll find Jesus Christ at work. and I believe Jesus would invite us to join us, to join him there. And when the poor receive their blessings, of knowing the kingdom of God, because we have been faithful to the calling of Christ, then we are participants in that blessing as well. And I believe it cancels out the woe. When the hungry are filled because we follow Jesus in ministering to the needs of the hungry, we participate in that blessing too. And the curse... No longer has its effect, and we enjoy the blessings. When those who weep now are laughing because we have brought them comfort in their time of need, we negate the corresponding woe. And when we speak up for those who are oppressed, And marginalized and left out and told they do not belong and told they are an abomination and told that they do not have God's blessing. Then we come along with them as they receive Jesus's blessing and attention. It's really summed up in the last part of this passage, do to others what you would have them do to you. And it's about you know, it's really the doing part. <laughs> the, the, one of the biggest things that seems to frustrate Jesus in the Gospels is ignoring each other. When the rich ignores the poor, and the poor are pushed to the sides. When the rich ignore, when the, when the ones who are blessed ignore those who are without When the ones who are weeping are ignored and shoved to the side, that seems to frustrate Jesus to no end. It's in the doing where we find the blessing. Amen? It's easy if we isolate ourselves away from the people who are not like us. But this text today challenges us to find Jesus And the God who sent him among those who are not rich, those who are not happy and well-liked, but among those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who are sad, those who are hated and reviled. That is where we will find Jesus, and that is where we will find the blessings he promises to all who will receive them. Let us pray a loving and gracious God. It's hard for us sometimes to hear these texts that not only seem to not speak to our particular situation, but also seems to be angry with us or putting us on the other side of things. Help us not to shy away from these difficult texts, but to find ourselves in them And figure out how we can reverse things. We know God that you have given us everything we need. That you have equipped us. That the kingdom of God has come near. And you have ushered it in. And it is residing within us. And that we have the capacity. And we have the Holy Spirit. And the empowerment. To reverse things. Through our faithfulness to who you are in our life, to our faithfulness to our calling to be out there among the poor, the hungry, the sad, and the hated. May we eagerly take on this calling and find your blessing in it. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.